the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Hey guys, welcome back. Bud Elliott here on the Cover 3 College Ball Podcast. This is my summer school series where we talk about all the top teams, break them down with the experts from 24-7 Sports. And today, it's Arizona State. That means Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source. Nobody does it better when covering the Sun Devils. Chris, welcome back to the show. Hey, Bud. Good to be with you. Absolutely. I think you and our Michigan State site might have been the most accurate and like brutally honest people that we had on this show last year. And hey, look. If you're willing to tell it like it is when it's bad, we know you're willing to tell us when it's good, too. And hopefully things are trending up there for Arizona State. Yeah, I think credibility over the long run comes from accuracy, right? And um, if you sell people a a false bill of goods, a lot of them are going to come to realize that. And last season, ASU was in a really bad place, probably the worst uh, since I've been covering the program. Um, The NCAA investigation rolling on, a staff that had sort of given up on the recruiting trail and was filling spots in the last minute with their coordinators and showed up on the field. Kenny Dillingham has had a serious uh, overhaul that he's had to undertake. Uh, He was benefited from the suspension of the 25 annual new scholarship rule, uh, probably about as much as any program in the country, along with maybe Colorado and prime, right? Um, They are going to have more than 50 new scholarship players, only 31 returning as of now by my count. And that, gives you an ability to more quickly cycle up than what would have been in the case in previous years where you would have had a bunch of guys on your roster that probably weren't good enough to compete or weren't a good schematic fit for you. Uh, I think that in the spring, we saw more than a dozen Division One transfers that are going to impact their two deep immediately, including some of the guys that are probably going to be among their best players. Uh, you look at Xavier Guillory on offense, a wide receiver. Cameron Scadabo looked really good as a running back. Um, so I, I think that pretty much across the board, they have improved their talent. They have in a lot of spots added depth 
and uh, to complement what they have returning and uh, fit the this, this schemes. I think they're in a, a reasonably good place, all things considered. This is probably the toughest one that I've had to do. I've not done Colorado yet. We're, we're recording that next week just because, as you mentioned, there are so many new guys on this roster. And then also, I I think it's fair to question if some of the guys on this roster last year had their head in the games on a week-to-week basis, right? Like some guys maybe weren't fully bought in all the time. Some certainly you know, were and still played hard. I, I won't even really waste time what they ranked on offense last year because there's so many new pieces. I, I, I'll go right to quarterback. So they – they lose Emory Jones, Cincinnati. I usually you know, lose and, and just because I guess it is technically a loss. They take Drew Prime from Notre Dame. Uh, Trenton Borgay is still there, correct? Jacob Conover from BYU, I saw transferred in, and Jaden Rashada, uh, they, they were the, the, uh, the signee. For him, uh, none of these guys had good numbers against good competition, but like at least Pine had some good numbers against sort of average to below average competition. It, is it fair to think he's the starter here? There's an ongoing competition between Pine and Borgay. Um, okay. I think widely a lot of people may not realize that Borgay played last season at far less than 100%. He had a foot injury um, two years in a row where he had a, a metatarsal that was problematic for him, and um, pin came loose in it during the season. And so he had surgery in January. Look, he still has uh, a very average arm, and his size and stature is not very good. Um, ASU was able to beat sort of the, the, the lone hanging fruit of the roster and Drew Pine. Yeah, he was eight and two as a starter at Notre Dame, but, um, against the better teams, you saw there was a little bit of a difference there. I think Pine has a better arm. Um, he's got a little bit uh, of, uh, a better ability to get the ball down the field to ASU's playmakers, which opens up the field against better defenses, right? Like that's a very important thing. Um, but uh, Borgay is an operator. He's 70% completion percentage, one of only two quarterbacks in the Pac-12 who did that last year. The other one was at Oregon where Kenny Dillingham was. So you know you're going to get really good operation uh, if you have Borgay. Now, the difference is that you may get squatted on by the better teams, and they may take away quite a bit. And that means you got to have to get the ball in a hurry to those guys who are playmakers, get some yards after the catch, manage it, not turn it over it creates a smaller margin for error against the better teams. And so that's kind of why I think that their upside is probably a little bit overall limited compared to if they had a guy who had some of the physical tools of a Jaden Rashada as a freshman, who's got a better arm, he's a better athlete, he's bigger, he'll end up being, uh, you know, a, a, a tough guy uh, to handle in a lot of respects, but he's not there yet. And that's the reason that um, we're going to probably be continuing to talk about this Pine versus Borgay situation deep into August, maybe even later. I, I liked what I saw from, from Borgay, honestly, when he was inserted midseason. I thought the offense played with with better tempo and better rhythm. And I I watched a decent bit of Arizona State, I guess, for a guy that lives on the East Coast. And he just seemed to operate better and, and he knew where to go with the ball. He's a little more decisive than Emory Jones was. Not quite as much of a run threat, not as big. So I guess if, if you're going to run him a lot, you got to be a little a little cautious. Not, not that Dillingham runs the heck out of the quarterback typically, right? I mean, not, most guys are not Jordan Travis. So uh, I like the receivers and and the, the weapons they have to throw to, though. Like, this is a nice trio return. Jenna Conyers was really good down the stretch last year, I thought. And uh, I assume those those three will still be your sort of your top three, Badger, Sanders, and, and Conyers. But it, they took five or six transfers, I think, uh, at, in the receiving court. Who should we know? From, from the transfer portal there, that's going to help Arizona State out. 
Yeah, this is really a, a strength of ASU's entire team is their, their pass catching weapons. Um, and they've really sort of added to the, the main pillars that they had who are returning, as you said there. And Badger, 70 catches last year. Uh, we saw Conyers had 10 catches against Arizona, three touchdowns against Colorado, blew up second half of the season. Geo Sanders had 40 catches. But when we watched the team this spring, the uh, Idaho State transfer, Xavier Guillory, who was second team all-conference there, but maybe didn't have the type of uh, quarterback play around him to unlock some of his potential, he looked really great as a bookend uh, to what they have. And he's a three-level receiver, one of the fastest guys on the team, but he's a route runner, technician, doesn't drop the ball, also can get it in the screen game and, and, and make guys miss. Um, they added Melquan Stovall from Colorado State. He was a starting slot receiver before he elected to sit out um, last year to preserve an extra year of eligibility, right? And, um, you know, I think that he's a very shifty underneath guy that you can move around the formations, get the ball to him, kind of working laterally. So it's very complimentary in terms of the guys that they have. And um, then, of course, um, you know, they return Andre Johnson. He's uh, probably like in the five, six range. Jake Smith was a former uh, Gatorade player of the year. Texas, USC, bounced around, had injury problems, was off the field the last few years. He looked pretty good by the end of spring ball. So Troy, Troy O'Meara was uh, at Texas. He's a 6'5", 220-pound, almost like a hybrid guy. He's such a big body. Um, so they have, you know, they have really talented uh, playmakers. And that is going to lessen the challenge as long as they can keep the quarterback upright and uh, hit on some of these vertical opportunities. That's where I was going next with this, because they, they do lose four of their top six offensive linemen, at least by snap count. Although last year, who was in, who was out of the lineup on a week-to-week basis was something worth following. Of course, you guys do a tremendous job covering them on a week-to-week basis with your excellent practice reports. They they took, what, five portal offensive linemen? It, are we expecting a major step back here on the O-line, or, or can they hold serve, or I guess maybe get better. I, I have a hard time believing that given that one of their kids went to Michigan, but he didn't play a ton last year anyway. Yeah. Ladarius Henderson, he was their best lineman, but he got hurt, uh, hand injury. Um, I, I think the guard position in particular is, is maybe the biggest question on the entire roster. Um, at tackle, they should be decently, decently good um, or, or better. They returned two guys who started a lot last year. Isaiah Glass, Emmett Bowley, um, they also got Aaron Frost from Nevada, who uh, had an ACL injury, but he had been considering leaving early for the NFL prior to that. Um, you know, he, a lot of people thought that maybe he could be uh, ASU's best offensive lineman if he's healthy going into this year. Um, they were cautious with them in the spring, so we'll have to see what happens there. They got Leif Fautanu from UNLV, who's a three-year starter to replace Ben Scott, who went to Nebraska. Um, it's not probably going to be much of a drop-off there, uh, if at all, actually. Um, But guard, that's where you have a question. Now, they have Joey Ramos at right guard. He uh, suffered a a serious leg injury the beginning of last year during the season and knocked him out in the starting lineup for the year. He's back, so he should be serviceable. Left guard was a big problem in practices, and they went out and they got uh, two uh, Division I transfers, uh, one from Texas Tech, who uh, Kay Briggs, he played a lot um, in, in uh, at New Mexico for three years before he transferred to Texas Tech with a backup there. And then uh, they had another one from, from Purdue who has, has a chance uh, to, to be there, Sione Finau, who has a chance to be their, their starter, I would say. But um, 
definitely this is one of their more sort of uh, fragile overall position groups. And I don't think they're going to be particularly physical in the run game, which is why I think that getting back to having to be successful at run replacements, completing a high percentage, not taking negatives, quarterbacks being smart and avoiding sacks are some of the things that they're going to have to be able to do successfully. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If Arizona State fans are watching us, I will say uh, I do know Ken Dillingham does have experience with working with terrible offensive lines, uh, the 2021 FSU offensive line. Uh, we actually did a bit called, instead of Kenny Dillingham, we, we called it Kenny Rillingham. And so we took his press conference quotes of what he said. And he was, of course, being nice. He's not, not going to trash his players. And, uh, and we kind of translated that to what he meant. And it, it, was, uh, it was a hard season for them, but they, they did find a way to score. Uh, score some points despite really, really ineffective blocking. So we'll certainly be tracking that. The defense last year, not that this matters a ton because there are, again, a ton of new players, was one of the worst power five defenses with the exception of Colorado. And Colorado's just kind of off on another planet as far as the rankings among P5 teams. Top three defensive linemen are gone by snap count. Are, are those guys actually important losses to this team? They, they seem to, I mean, they all stayed kind of healthy and played but they took a bunch of guys in the portal. How would you project this unit, Chris? Yeah, I think that if you could have kept Omar Norman Lott, like that would have been a very good thing. But um, the the coaching was really quite bad last year. I, um, they didn't do the right types of things for their personnel. Um, they should have been a team that pressured a lot more and, and played press coverage on the perimeter with their big corners and – they were the least aggressive defense probably in the conference. You, they'd go quarters without sending five guys once. And um, I just think that they didn't allow them to put their players in the best you know, position to be successful, right? So um, they've done a very good job here, especially at the, the end positions of rebuilding in a hurry. Um, Clayton Smith from Oklahoma looked quite good uh, as one of their better pass rushers. B.J. Green played mostly three tech, but he, he lost 15, 20 pounds. He's going to play some more end this year and be a guy that they can move around a little bit. Uh, Prince Dorba from Texas, he looks pretty solid. Uh, and then um, Garen Stansbury lost most of last season due to a bad hamstring that um, now seems to be, you know, recovered. He's 6'6", 245. And then Michael Matus um, this last year, he was a starter prior to that. He had an ACL in August. So, um, I think it, at, at the end positions, they look pretty good. And what they've done now, they moved uh, Anthony Cooper from end to, to tackle. Uh, he was a starter last year as an end. 
and they've hit the porter the portal uh, pretty hard here with Deshaun Mallory from Michigan State uh, bringing him in. Uh, they got um, a Robertson, a, a backup, uh, a, a D tackle from Oklahoma, who started four games two seasons ago, was a backup last year. Um, so I think that they have that's still maybe D tackle is probably their biggest or one of their biggest question marks on defense, along with maybe linebacker. But um, I, I feel like their style under Brian Ward, very aggressive and move guys, giving three way go opportunities. And also the style in the Pac-12, right? It's not a – It's not a. they're not going to run a lot of power and run guys off the football with most of these teams. And so that gives you a little bit of a better ability to be successful. He, he, he made more with less at Washington State, and I don't think that their personnel is going to be worse at ASU this year. Perfect. Yeah, I was going to ask you about linebacker. L- l- losing Robertson and, and, and Sowell were – I mean – those guys basically never left the field. A, a combined fifteen hundred snaps between the two, and and played pretty well in the Pac twelve. They'll, they'll take a step back there, just maybe not a huge one. Well, yeah, they're actually expected to get uh, probably going to get Tennessee, one of Tennessee's best linebacker transfers. Um, so that I think I think that's kind of be going to be a big deal. And then they have Travion Brown, um, who comes from Washington State. He was their number three linebacker so um they're not going to be deep but i think that they're gonna you know and that's probably now the least important position on the field when you think about it in terms of just kind of you know the way that football is played nowadays and they're and they play a base nickel um so you don't probably need as much there and and so i don't know they they, they could end up being at least pretty decent at linebacker they're just not going to be deep and they're going to have to stay healthy Nice. Uh, I one you like like spot on on this defense that I, I am pretty excited about, and hopefully I'm not wrong here. Corner, like they appear to have survived attrition, and they have some players who at least last year were decent players. This secondary should take a step forward, right? I think so, um, especially okay. because the 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 Division One transfer safeties that they've added are really good players. Um, you know, they got Davion Alford from USC was probably one of their best looking newcomers in the spring. Um, He can kind of do everything, ball hawk, physical, um, understands scheme, very smart. And then Shamari Simmons is, is, um, he was a all conference player at Austin Peak at the FCS level, but the transition has not looked that difficult for him at all. He's more of a center field safety, uh, offers good coverage, you know, brings the wood though for somebody who's only 175, 180 pounds. And um, then they have Chris Edmonds returning, who has NFL upside, probably has a strong safety, big physical kid who also has ball skills. And I think, as you're referring there, Ro Torrance coming back at corner, one of the biggest corners in the league, 6'3, 215. And he's going to be put into a better system uh, for kind of how to maximize his talents. And then Ed Woods is another starter uh, who's uh, coming back at end. And Jordan Clark was their nickel for the last couple of years, who's also returning. So you put all those guys together and then some of the pieces that they've added, I think absolutely that's the strength of their defense. And um, that's especially important because it gives uh, comfort to your coordinator when you want to be uh, aggressive and bring a lot of, you know, blitzes and play man zero coverage or you know cover one kind of behind it that's brian ward's thing and i think that he's going to feel comfortable doing it i think that also fits what kenny wants to run 
on offense, right? He's going to be a guy that does want to run a lot of plays, high, high tempo, get turnovers. If they score, we get the ball back. Our offense gets a chance to score. Yet again, not that he wants the opposing offense to score, obviously, but still, like you, you don't want to play a bog down style if you're going to run an up tempo offense uh, like that traditionally. I assume just based on, on the conversation here, you would grade them pretty well in terms of, of talent retention uh, from last year's roster when, when, when Kenny got in there. Yeah, um, they lost maybe three or four players that I thought would have been in their starting lineup or at least two deep. Um, not, not many, um, really, when you, when you look at it. They had a lot of roster length. Um, the previous staff had just kind of taken a bunch of filler from – the junior college level or level or flyers on some very undeveloped high school guys. And, um, and then they took guys who were, you know, one year players. And so it was sort of a blank canvas that he, that Dillingham was able, able to paint upon and he got out all the paint uh, that he had because um, I've never, I couldn't have even imagined a scenario in which a team was going to add 50 players in five months like that prior to, you know, the, 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 the firing of Edwards was almost incomprehensible to me. Like when you cover, as you have college football for a very long time, like there's no, there's never been uh, more than 30 or low thirties new players on a roster, like in a year. So um, that kind of saved him. I don't even know if the job would have been that, you know, desirable uh, for Dillingham or others had it not been for that, that rule change. And people are going to underestimate ASU this year, right? Because three wins last season and, um, you know, like a total overhaul of a roster, they're going to think, okay, they're not going to be that good. But um, they have eight home games. And the last two times ASU had eight home games, they won 10 games. I'm not saying that that's anything close to what should be expected this year, but um, they they have plenty of pieces on defense to play the style that they want. As you said, they're very complementary, right? They're going to be able to generate, you know, TFLs, get some turnovers, uh, get off the field on some three and outs that puts the offense in an advantageous situation. They have the ability to hit some big shots in the passing game. They can run the ball probably decently well. Scadabo is a, a tackle-breaking type of a rusher at 220 pounds. So when you also have the weapons that you have in the passing game, which is probably better than I've seen it in terms of being four, five, six deep with weapons in a lot of years at ASU, um, I think they are going to score a lot of points and have the ability to make impact plays on defense. I totally. I, the one key here is going to be starting fast. Not, not just in individual games, but like starting fast with, with, with the schedule. If you break this down, in Southern Utah, Oklahoma State, Fresno, I, I think actually all three of those teams are beatable if you play really well. And maybe if those teams are at the lower end of the range that you might project them to be with, with Fresno losing Hainer, uh, especially you don't really know what they have behind it. And you get USC at Cal, Colorado. You need to get at least one of those, I, I feel like. And then the next four or next five, Washington or at Washington, Washington State, at Utah, at UCLA, Oregon is is brutal uh, before you know finishing off the year in the territorial cup uh, against Arizona. I, I agree. I, I think three does feel low here. Honestly, uh, where would you say is the spot that they have to stay healthy because the drop off between the starters to the backups is just extreme. Yeah. It's their interior offensive line okay. for sure. 
probably D tackle and then linebacker between uh, I think that between Juwan Mitchell, the Tennessee transfer and, and then uh, Travion Brown, the Washington state transfer. The only other guy that looks like he's like really kind of ready there for me right now is maybe Will Schaefer. Um, they, if they have seven offensive linemen right now who are ready to play, that is about as best as it is. Um, I, I, I don't, they might not even have seven. Um, I'll have to kind of see these new comers that they're adding and get a sense for, you know, uh, Aaron Frost. The, the, they had a, the injury to Ben Coleman, who was supposed to start at left guard replacing Ladarius Henderson. Um, he had a lower leg injury that is going to cost him most of the season. Oh. Uh, that was, that was, that was pretty, that was a pretty big deal. Um, so yeah, I would say, you know, uh, linebacker, interior OL, maybe D tackle. Those are some of the, those are the key areas. Chris, really appreciate the time today. Everybody needs to check out Sun Devil Source. Awesome job. The best Arizona State coverage out there, bar none. Appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. Anytime. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Hey guys, welcome back into Cover Three. I'm Bud Elliott. This is my summer school series. You know what time it is. Time to talk about Pitt. We're going to go to Panther 247. We're going to bring on Ed O'Brien. Ed, welcome into Cover Three. Hey, thanks for having me, bud. I appreciate uh, you welcoming me on here. Great talks of Pitt football. Absolutely. So another nice year uh, for, for Pitt uh, under Pat Narduzzi. They, you know, they, they lose Jordan Addison, yet they, yet they still perform on the field. You know, defense was was pretty nasty once again. O- offense uh, you know, generally held up their end of the bargain. What what was it like to cover this team last year? It was um, it was it was exciting. Um, it was I think things turned out better than I thought they would. Um, I think from an offensive standpoint, you know, it was definitely, I want to say a little bit of a downgrade, but not too much because of the rushing running game. And, you know, to that end, it was nice to see Pitt get back to, you know, what they're known for, especially from an offensive standpoint, you know, punishing uh, defenses with the running game and uh, just having that rushing attack going. Absolutely. So, this year, the offense they, they they lose Keaton Slovis, but but they bring in Phil Dracovic. What what have you seen so far out of Dracovic? Like, how did he look in spring, and and how is he evolving along with the offense? I thought you know during the spring game, you know you go, they can only you know they only show so much from an offensive standpoint. But I thought he uh, did a relatively good job uh, moving the offense when he had opportunities, um, limited snaps along with. Uh, Kristen Bayou, you know, the transfer uh, from Penn State. So I think going into this, I think going into this season, I think he's done enough to warrant uh, being the starting quarterback. Um, but I think, I do think that Kristen Bayou, you know, if things don't go well with Jerkovic first, you know, couple games, he, he wouldn't be a bad person to, you know, back him up or put in uh, and replace him. But as, you know, to answer your question, I think he's the starter right now. And, you know, just going off his 
experience having, you know, started at Boston College, I think that, you know, that'll give Pitt a better chance at winning a couple of those early games, uh, you know, starting the season. So I, I think what Signetti, the offensive coordinator, came came over as well uh, with, with with Jacoba from Boston College. What, how will you see the Pitt offense look different this year uh, than it looked last year? I think you'll still see the same uh, running attack, um, especially Ryan Hammond. You know, if Hammond hadn't gotten hurt, you know, in the first couple of games, he might have been in the same position that Izzy Abanikanda ended up in towards the end of the season because he was looking that good. Um, I think you'll see more from the passing game, uh, especially with the quarterbacks going downfield. We didn't see that a lot with Keenan Slovis last year. Um, I think that was something miss- that was missing from you know, last year's passing game that you saw of Kenny Pickett the year before. So I think the offense should improve, you know, from that standpoint, just going downfield more and keeping uh, defenses defenses uh, defenses honest. Absolutely. On the outside, so that they they lose Jared Wayne, who it was a very nice receiver for him. Last year, they do have a lot of guys back. Who who would you project to take up or you know, take take that spot from Wayne and and, and you know carry that torch? And uh, is there anybody you know from the lower ranks who you think could challenge a, a Mumfield or, or really burst through the lineup? I believe Bub Means might be that uh, guy that gets a lot of targets um, this upcoming season because I think he's the he's the mini receiver coming back. That I think that's a true threat downfield. And, you know, during the spring game, he he received a lot of uh, targets from both quarterbacks. And I think he has that extra gear. Um, he'll be able to get open more, I think, than the other receivers. So I think he'll be the – I think he'll emerge as the main target, um, even though Mumfield is coming back as well. And he had more receiving yards and catches than uh, Means. But I think above Means is the one that will eventually stand out. Ed, they, they do lose four of their top seven uh, on the offensive line. I know they had some offensive line injuries last year. Can, can you help me sort this room out? Who would you expect to kind of be be the starting five if if you have an idea at this, you know, at this juncture? And how good do you think this group will be? Well, I do, I, what I will say is that I do know Jake Cradle, uh, Blake Zubovic, and Matt Gonk, sorry, Matt Gonkov's caves will be uh probably most likely the start of along the um offensive line. And then you'll have a mix of uh, redshirt freshmen and some sophomores uh, battling for those other positions. So, but those are the three main lines that I know, I think, for sure, are locked for starting positions. Gotcha. Do you, do you think this group will be better than last year's group, or, or uh, can, can it be anywhere close? I think it could be somewhere close, mainly because uh, those three veterans that are coming back, um, back to the offensive line this year. So I, I think it'll be close. Gotcha. It shouldn't be too much of a. Dro- I don't think it'll be too much of a drop off, especially in the running game. Last year still had a, a top forty defense, you know, power rated. If you kind of adjust for opponent and, and and all that stuff, but they lose four of their top five defensive linemen at, at least by by snap count. That's that's a fairly big deal. I feel like. What's the level of concern there in Pittsburgh about about replacing those guys? Obviously, Coach Partridge does a great job. You know, typically replacing those dudes. I know he comes down here by me in in Florida and, and always signs a bunch of guys. Uh, is there any way this group can avoid a, a big drop-off? I'll say this from the outside looking in, it 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 does give reason for concern because there is a lot of talent that graduated um, or, you know, go to, went to the NFL or a couple of guys that transferred. But, you know, I think the belief here in Pittsburgh is that it is reload. And, you know, they've done a good job, I think, of um, recruiting depth at the – 
defensive line position. And actually, there was an article um, that I read, maybe, actually, there was a podcast, I think, um, defensive lineman coach and so on, talking about how he recruits. So to answer your question, you know, there's some guys that I think that'll step up, including uh, defensive end Deion Hayes. He's a highly, he was a highly recruited in-state guy um, from Pennsylvania that Pitt recruited. I think he'll be um, solid on the edge. And then they have two defensive tackles, Devin Danielson and um, Devin Danielson and David Green. Uh, limited snaps, but they do have some experience. And then, as you mentioned, you know, the, the rest of the guys that you'll hear about, uh, Ben Brima, Samuel Okanola, Tyler Bentley, and Sean Simmons. Sean Fitzsimmons, I'm sorry. Those are younger guys that'll be getting a lot of snaps. And, you know, it's a lot, it, de- it definitely is a lot of inexperience, but, you know, Pitt has that history of development defensive linemen. And I just believe that, you know, it may not be as good. At, the line may not be as good as the line has been, let's say, the past two, three years, or even probably longer than that. But I do think they'll be better than, they won't, they won't, they'll be better than average. I put it like that. So I think they'll still be good based on the coaching. And, you know, it'll be hard to live up to the past defensive lines. But I think, you know, if this defensive line can get in and gel um, along with the coaching, um, I think they'll have a chance to be not as good, but they should be better than average. I'll say that much. So uh, they also developed deep or uh, linebacker pretty well, and then Servassier Dennis now off off to the NFL. That's going to be a hard guy to replace. Is, is there a front runner to to take his spot? Because they they return a whole lot of guys there at linebacker other than Dennis. I would th- I would say that the key guy to take is uh, I guess. Not replace him, but be that guy will probably be Shane Salmon. Um, he was a Notre Dame transfer, I believe. Uh, played for Pitt for the first, uh, it's for last year, of course. I think it was his first year over from Notre Dame. So I think he would be that main guy. And then they have a couple other guys that's coming back Solomon the Shields and uh, Bengali Kamara, who also received a lot of snaps for Pitt's uh, defense at the linebacker position. So, but I'm going to say Shane Salmon, he's probably that guy I would put at that. I would say. Not to replace, but be that guy for Pitt. Okay, I, I think we can pretty much assume that they're 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 good at, at corner. Uh, they do have two safeties they got to replace, though, in 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 Hill and uh, and and Hallett. That that seems like that would be tough. Uh, what's the level of confidence there? I again, I think they're pretty confident, especially of getting um, the transfer from Florida, Dalvin McMillan. And having uh, J- J- Javon McIntyre, he's a returning defensive back. Um, you know, McIntyre got a lot of snaps last season. Of course, he wasn't a starter, but with McMillan coming in, they're hoping that, I'm sorry, not even hoping, they're counting on them to, along with, I'm going to say, Philip O'Brien. He's another defensive back to kind of lighten the blow of missing Hallett. And, well, I guess, I'm sorry, his name escapes uh, me at the moment, but. Just replacing those two safeties from last year, Brandon Hill. I'm sorry. So it might not. It might be a little drop off, but not much of a drop off. I'm. I'm. That's. That's what I'm hoping. I'm sure that's what the pit coaches are hoping for as well. For sure. So, wh- Ed, uh, let me ask you this: wh- wh- Where would you say is the biggest drop off between starters and reserves? Like, what what position they just really can't afford to have the backups play too much because those guys just aren't ready yet. Great question. I'm going to say. 
It's going to, it's, you know, it's, I would say it's along either the offensive or defensive line. Um, it's a lot of inexperience there. So I'm going to say defensive line okay. because of the, because I think it's more inexperienced on that side of the side of the line. So, you know, if you have a couple of those reserves going out, then now you just have a, a lot of inexperience, you know, freshmen and sophomores playing along that line. So I think defensive line is where they can't afford uh, any injuries. Pretty, uh, Pretty manageable, I guess we could say. Non-conference schedule to start. You know, Wofford, Cincinnati at, at West Virginia, which I think by this point our, our, our summer school listeners have already have heard they, they lost you know, an, an awful lot. They do draw Virginia Tech. Uh, they get Syracuse, Boston College as well in, in the uh, within the conference. But they do have to play Notre Dame, Florida State, North Carolina, uh, Louisville, which may be pretty good. Uh, is, is getting back to a bowl uh, a success for Pat Narduzzi this year? Yes. Okay. And and I and I and the reason why I say that is due to that schedule, especially there's a rough stretch there of West Virginia, Florida. I'm sorry. Yeah, West Virginia, Florida State, North Carolina, Notre Dame, and Louisville. Um, I think seven and five. I, I'm thinking. I mean, you didn't ask me. I'm thinking seven and five. Yeah. That's 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 pretty. I think that's a pretty good. Um, that would be well. They might not agree, but that, I think that would be a decent to good season for Pitt, based on the schedule and based on, you know, they bring they lost a lot of key guys from the last couple of years, and so you know I think seven and five would be a good season for Pitt, based on what they have coming back and based on a pretty hard schedule, which I believe was called the third hardest schedule in the. Uh, the ACC or the nation. I'm thinking the ACC, so it's a pretty hard schedule. Nice. And O'Brien, Panther 247, really appreciate your time, man. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+.